We're live. We are live. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready, Miss Austin? Always ready. Awesome. Well, welcome everyone to Women Investor Wednesday. And today I have a dear friend. We've only been friends since July or August, right? July. But yes. we are fast friends. Fast friends. And I've been following you for years. So <laughs> I know you very well. So, well, yeah. so anyway, thank you so much. But yeah, we met last year in person, IRL, in real life at the um, Globe Street Women of Influence Awards and retreat or conference. And and then Delete came with us on our women's trip to uh, Dominican Republic, which where that's where we really kind of bonded, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And. And you have bonded with me on my mission. Absolutely. I jumped on your bandwagon. The, when you stood up and said it at Globe Street, I'm like, I, I'm with her. This is exactly what we need to do. So for those of you that are new and don't know about my mission and why we're doing Women Investor Wednesdays is I found out a few years ago that the women in commercial real estate have grown to 36%. But the percentage of men and women who invest in commercial real estate, the amount of women is only 3%. And I always say that that's deplorable, deplorable. And I'm 62, I'll be 63 this year. And by the time I retire, which I'm guessing will be about 70, who the heck knows, my goal is to get that number to 10%. So I met Delee. Delee said, I'm all in. By the way, so Delee Becker is with Beck Wright Commercial in Austin, Texas. And she's a woman investor. And so tell the audience about you and about your investments. That's okay. right there. Well, so I, I can't remember why I was doing it. Um, maybe I was writing up the bio actually for you. So I would actually say that I was an um, investor developer before I got into commercial real estate in brokerage. So uh, the long story is uh, my brokerage is actually ten, uh, about eight years old, but I've had my license for 10 years. So I also own a 24-year-old construction company. And we do text road and bridge repair. So that's highways all across the state of Texas. Uh, except for Central Texas, we skip Travis County and Williamson County because they're no fun to work in. And with that, um, we had started buying buildings in 2006. So we would, um, our first one was in East Austin. It was a building that was crumbling. The roof had caved in and it was about uh, 90 years old at the time. It's now over 100 years old. So we got brought in by a partner. Uh, because we had the construction experience and the financials and the money to come in and very grateful for that. So we had been buying buildings for years before I got my license. And it was um, God is really what it was. My husband kept telling me to get my license. And I'm like, no, I don't. Because I really thought residential is that's what I thought of real estate. And um, I went ahead and did it in 2012. And I was off and running. Um, I decided that I wasn't going to have any clients, right? Because I didn't need anybody to tell me. I don't really like people's opinions. So I was just going to buy buildings for Beckwright. So I would, you know, piece them together. 
buy buildings for our offices, buy yard for our construction equipment and shop, et cetera. Um, but I had a couple people come to me needing to find buildings in East Austin. And I found, I loved it. I just, I loved doing it and there's no way I can buy everything. So that's how brokerage really started for me. I'm like, well, I'll just have my own brokerage because I already have a company here and I was off to the races. Uh, I so, so what's so interesting about this is, be, is I am trying to bludgeon women that are in brokerage, right? To get into buying. And here you were buying and then got into brokerage. Like I never connected those dots. That's why these, that's why I tell everyone every Wednesday that we don't prep. Like I haven't talked to you in, I don't know, a month or something, right? We haven't, we, we don't prep. I don't prep. And even though I know Dali, there's things about her that, I'm, I'm going to find out in this uh, this interview along with you guys, but how interesting because I'm constantly telling our friend Dina in Chicago, who I know is listening tonight, that she needs, to, you know, she's got the knowledge, the wisdom, the experience, and, you know, she's buy, starting to buy, but women in our industry that are in the industry that are that are finding out about deals we need to start doing the deals ourselves and not saying hey so and so this might be a good deal for you to buy we need to do them together right absolutely i mean let's do them together but for sure i mean the biggest thing that i find um, brokerage adds to my book of knowledge if you will and the brokers out there, Dean is a great example. Debbie Ashland, what a wonderful example. She knows her market, stone cold, period. Yeah. So that is, in my opinion, a lot of what investing is. I mean, that's how you reduce your risk. You know it really well. Right. That's how you make the money because you you own, like I just, I own three shopping centers on this road in South Florida and I just became a partner in the fourth, which is what I tell everyone. It's the boardwalk to my park place. And I'm so excited. And now I own four. It's really easy to understand the rental market and to also now understand the acquisition and disposition market in that area, because I am the biggest property owner. So I'm going to see all of the deals. It's, but again, the broker, who has yet to take the plunge that we are pushing them into. You know, when I first, when, when women first started coming to me, I want to do what you do. I want to do what you do. And I'm like, great, let's do it. Well, well, I'm not sure. Well, what are you unsure of? Well, do I have enough money? And I always, and I know you say there's more money than good deals, right? Yes. A lot more money than good deals. And you say what I say, if you find a deal, bring me the deal. I will help you find the money. Yes. And you have said that, right? Yes. And then the second thing is, well, it's too complicated and it's risky. And then I say, and I tell the ladies, well, do you invest now or do you put your money under a mattress? Oh, no, I invest. I go, well, what do you invest? Oh, in the stock market. Oh, really? So the stock market is not risky and complicated. My, I think my Netflix stock is down 80%. So, so, so it comes down to fear. We have now, I have now established because I had the virtual conference. So by the way, ladies and gentlemen that are listening on March 8th, 
we on, on Women's Business International Day in Orlando, Florida, we have our third annual CRE Women Investment Summit, which Dali will be one of the speakers. Thank you so much. And um, what I've learned now over the years, it has come down to one thing and one thing only. It's not money. It's not risk. It's not complicated. It is fear. And so I said, okay, how do I get them? How do I get the ladies to not to reduce their fear? And what I found is, and there's a saying, if you see it, you can be it. And so the plan is get enough women on stage like you to talk about the pros, the cons, the ups, the downs, the challenges, the successes, so that it takes the, so, so the women in the audience, oh, well, if she can do it and she can do it and she can do it. And, you know, we have 22 year olds to 62 year olds talking about investing. And so we're, so this, so last year we had it live in South Florida, this year it'll be in Orlando. And I'm very excited. I think we have 10 speakers. We have lenders that come and talk about, you know, how you finance deals. So let's talk about you, you do something different than the rest of us. Talk, talk about, do you bring in partners? So I will say for anybody out there that has fear, find somebody to partner with. I mean, Beth and I are screaming at you, bring us a deal, find the property that you know better. I mean, like a retail property in Orlando, Florida, because that's your market or office property in Nashville, because you know about a development that's coming up. Call us. I don't know about that. And I wouldn't buy it all by myself in Nashville because I'm not boots on the ground. So I'm very clear about having boots on the ground. I have to be able to drive to my property within a day. So if it catches on fire, a tornado hits it, a car runs into it, which I was telling somebody the other day happens about every other year. I have a car <laughs> run into a building. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't normally buy in Nashville. But if somebody brings me a deal and they live in Nashville, let's partner. I'll reduce some of your fear. You give me an opportunity in a market I could not imagine. So um, how do I do it different? We have generally had uh, one partner, no more than one partner. Partnerships are like marriages, so they don't always last. Um, and that's okay. I, I can't say I have any ill will against any of my past partners. And our, I still have one that we've had for 15 years. Get along great. was just at his 20-year anniversary for his architecture firm. So um, I, I really... Only go one partner because I don't want more chefs in the kitchen. Um, I do manage all of my own properties. That's very important to me. So I have an asset management company. In addition, I have a construction company. So it's, I'm just very particular. Um, that's about it. Oh, oh, here's the thing that I do different. I do not do syndications. So if you had to call me the queen of anything besides queen of East Austin, I would be the 1031 queen. So. Um, I buy all of my assets. So tell people, there's people in the audience that don't know what that is. Do you want me to give the technical, the technical term or, okay, Delis, you use government money. So, <laughs> so if I buy a building for a million dollars and 10 years later, I sell it for 2 million, you got a million dollar gain. Let's just take out financing. Let's say if you bought it for a million cash. You sell it for $2 million cash. There's a million dollars that is subject to capital gains. 
which is roughly 20%. Just use that as the simple number. There's a you know, more in-depth calculation on your uh, tax bracket, et cetera. You would have to pay $200,000 to the government, capital gains, or you do a 1031 and you take that entire chunk of money and buy another asset. It does have to be real estate, but it can even be oil and gas rights. So instead of paying the government $200,000, I put it into my next deal. It's a very tight timeline. It is not the easiest thing to do, but I like to take all of the money that I can and keep it rolling. So I do say this because people say, well, then you're stuck in it. You are stuck on the 1031 Ferris wheel. So until you die, basically, till death do you part, then your children get a step up in basis. Unless it's in trust, we get more complicated. Um, I have done, I made the list. So the reason you're stuck is because you bought the for the 1 million, you sold it for the 2 million, you took the 1 million and you went and put it in, you know, three triple net Starbucks deals. If you sell those, you can't pocket the money. You have to keep going. Otherwise you pay the tax on the first deal. That's the first deal and the next deal. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. You, you're definitely on that, that merry-go-round, right? You're on the merry-go-round, but you have your $200,000 that would have gone to the government saying making 6%. Right. 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 But it's hard. So I will tell you, I've never done a 1031. Um, And the reason I haven't is, first of all, the first deal I sold, I didn't know about 1031s. We made um, 399% on our money and all my, we had probably 15 partners. Half of them were in real estate. None of them said, wait, stop. But, but when you have, partners, you all have to do it. Well, <laughs> oh, no, you don't. It's, you can drop and swap the title. Oh, right. So, exactly. Well, okay. Yeah. But at the top, that's very complicated. We are, we're not going complicated, that. And you really need to do it in a different tax year than the year you yeah. sell. So it yeah. takes some planning. So, so I didn't do it. We paid the taxes, but it is what it, it's a 90 day for you to identify, right? Is that correct? 45. And and how fast do you have to close after the 45 that you identify? Um, it's 180 days to close that runs concurrent with your 45. So 135 days to close after. And you have and how many times have you done a 1031 for your own? I, I just made the list. I've done six up legs and seven down legs. And you never had a problem finding a deal. Well, what do you what is your definition of problem? <laughs> well, you you actually found something to invest in. Like, yes. Yes. I'm so picky that finding something in 45 days, again, and I'm like you, I only invest in South Florida, unless I'm an LP where I send someone a check and then they send me checks, I'll do that. Like you said, I would do that with Debbie in, in Tallahassee or someone in Nashville. I've done it with someone. I've done it with Aaron Zucker in Dallas. I've done it with another guy in, in um, Tampa. But personally, the ones I control in GP, I, I'm not one day away. I, I'm 10 minutes away. But so knowing that I have a very narrow geographic reach, finding something in 45 days is difficult. It is difficult. So most, okay, a lot of our 1031s, we already had it chosen. We know what we were 1031ing into. And I will say. So did you, I, so I'm so sorry, but you know. No, not, no, no. I want to answer. Did you, so did you say, oh, 
I found a great deal. What can I sell? Do you do it like that? More. We knew we were going to sell something and we start looking before we even go on the market. Got it. So that's, so that's very smart. Very. Most of my 1031s, I close at the same time whenever I sell my up leg or very soon after. Now, I have a machine and I'm, I'm a numbers girl. So and this is a lot of work um, for every 1031 I do. I look at a thousand properties. I write 30 contracts. I have three under contract before my up leg closes. So, except for this. What do you tell the two people that you don't do the deal? Are they they mad? They're not mad that you drop? Um, I don't ask them. (laughs) (laughs) This this is business, Beth. I mean, they know I'm in a 1031. I'm always, I'm a very honest person because. Right, transparent. it's It's too hard for me to keep up with lies. Right. So everybody knows I'm in a 1031 and I will tell you this. So while I was in the Dominican Republic, I closed on a building on South Lamar. It is my favorite building ever. I mean, I'm just so excited. And so one of the other properties that I dropped called was a little fussy. And I was like, man, when you hear what I bought, you will understand. And so he, he caught wind and he called me and he's like, is it the South Lamar that you dropped mine for? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh my word. Okay. I got you. Okay. So that, I mean, are they, they're probably a little perturbed that they have to call their owners and tell them I dropped out, but you know, that's, it's business. For sure. For sure. Okay. All right. So um, what's the biggest challenge in an acquisition you've had? Oh, like in a particular deal or what's the challenge with acquisitions right now? Whatever you want. What's it? Just talk about a challenge and how you handled it. Oh, besides dropping the contract? Yes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is a hard question. Well, let me ask you this. Besides having the 1031, what have, what have been some other reasons you've dropped contracts? Usually I will drop a contract if, oh God, it's hard to say because I really do not get things under, I do a lot of research before I even put it under contract. Well, and it's bad, it's really bad. What's the word I'm looking for? It's bad juju to drop contracts. You get, if you get a bat, that's why I was asking you now, I get it with the 1031. If you say to the three listing brokers, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a specific deal to do the 1031, you know, I'm, so that's one thing. But if you go put something under contract and you don't close, you start to get a reputation with the investment sale brokers, because frankly, in, you know, I'm saying investment sale brokers because they're in the know and they're the ones that talk versus the one-off owner if you get a bad reputation that you're not a closer, that's worse than if you don't, than if someone doesn't think you have the money or the experience. When I'm selling the one of the, like I sold a deal, an Aldi shopping center three months ago, and we had 12 offers. Well, we narrowed it down to three people that they knew had experience to make sure they were closers, that we knew they had the capacity to close and that they were closers and they weren't people that, you know, groups that put stuff under contract and drop them. Yes. Okay. So I will say, I, I don't know if I, if I have that reputation, I don't really care. 
No, I, I don't. I think if you're, it's a 1031, I that's I think that's an exception to the rule. Right. right. I mean, I, I don't drop a lot of contracts, but I will give you a great example of one that was ridiculous for the size and how easy the, the deal would have been. I uh, was trying to get under contract a Dollar General in, oh gosh, I want to say Brady, Texas. Brady's not right, but it's a small town, but I know it. It's in Central Texas. We drove out there. We looked at it. We like the area. No problem. I put in my contract. My contracts are very simple. They're on Texas Realtors Forms, so they're fair to everybody. Um, I gave full price. Actually, I might have come off a little bit on the price, but not much. Um, usually I put in full price because I don't make offers on overly priced things. I'm like, I, I'm never going to get to where this seller is. Uh, I know other people have lots of luck with that. I never have. And the seller um, marked out the part of the contract that said I could rely on the due diligence. I had a problem with that, right? And I'm like, uh, and it was a $600,000 deal. Like, what are you hiding? It's right. But what are you hiding? Like, that's a weird thing to do. Absolutely. So I, I fight that. I'm like, this is an absolute no. So then um, the part that says enforce specific performance. So in the Texas Realtors forms, it, this, the buyer can always enforce specific performance because if the seller doesn't show up, what's the whole point of having it under contract? Right. Yeah. They don't, you don't, you don't want a buyer. You don't want a seller to get a better price and drop the deal to go get the better price. Right. Oh, and keep my feasibility money. Right. For sure. And I spend my time. So that comes back in the response contract. And I'm like, this is a hard no. And the broker on the other side was like, well, Delia, I mean, I, I'm not an attorney. How do you know it means that? I'm like, well, Okay, I'm not an attorney, but I write a lot of contracts. I read a lot of contracts and I am positive this is what it means. So I'm out. And he like calls the next day. He's like, you're not out. I'm like, I'm out. I mean, this is, I don't, I don't think the guy's trying to hide something, the seller, but this is too weird. Yeah, it's a, it, it doesn't pass the smell test. It doesn't pass the smell test. So... I don't mind buying things that have a lot of hair on them if I'm getting a deal, but I'm not paying top dollar for wonky stuff. Absolutely. What's your favorite, is your favorite deal, the Lamar deal you just closed on? That is, I think it's, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, and funny enough, reputation means everything. I mean, I believe that. I hold true to it. Um, whenever my... It was, it was off market, but a broker out of Minnesota had it. And I was on the phone with him about another um, property. And he's like, Delia, I've got something. It's on Lamar. He gave me the demographics. What I didn't know which part of Lamar. And I'm like, I want to see that. So he sent it over. I sent in my offer. And the seller saw Beckright and said, yeah, I'll go with them. They'll close it. How did, you, how did the guy from Minnesota get something in Austin? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if the seller here was trying to keep it at arm's length. Um, oh. Well-known brokerage, a very large brokerage here in Austin. So I thought the same thing. Don't so know. 
So in 2006, Austin, Texas. So everyone that's listening, Austin, Texas was not Austin, Texas in 2006. Davy, Florida was not Davy, Florida in 2008 when I bought the first of my four, right? So we both, we are women with vision on yes. Wednesdays. We are yes. women investors with vision on Wednesdays. Yes. <laughs> so what made you say, did you just want to buy it because you lived there in 2006? You thought, oh, I live here. I should invest. Like what? 2006, the building we bought in East Austin, we were invited in. My, my husband knew a gentleman named Jim. Um, Susan Benz had found it. She wanted to buy it. The bank wouldn't, you know, pencil that out. So Jim called Russ and said, hey, she's got this building. She wants to buy it. You got to, you know, redo the entire thing. It's falling apart. And my husband said, three blocks to downtown? I'm in. <laughs> so funny enough, and this is, my husband and I are both small town people. Uh, I'm from country people, so is he. And we love to drive around. We love to just drive around and look and see what's going on everywhere, everywhere. So if you study things and then something comes up, you just know, yeah. like that's, that's a no brainer. But to be fair, in 2006, nobody was in East Austin. I mean, everybody questioned my husband's sanity. They're like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, you yeah. can walk to downtown. Yeah. So that's. I will tell you this, one of my favorite sayings. So I'm always looking, this is the more common saying, path of progress. Look in the path of progress, right? So I'm not usually buying a South Lamar asset in the trendiest part of Austin. Um, I'm usually buying on the outskirts, if you will. So my husband and I say this, we buy on the edge of scary. Okay. So gentrification, I know, is not the fanciest, nicest word. But you look where areas are gentrifying and you go past it. So a building we bought is a retail center. I loved it. It was amazing. Um, we sold it during the pandemic because we decided not to scrape it and build. Um, it was in East Austin. And an agent at Realty Austin called and said, I know you're always looking. This is perfect. Buy it with me. And we looked at it. We're like, we're in. Let's do this. So my husband and I drive over there. There's a bus stop across it. There's a couple needles in the street. We're like, this is it. Edge of scary. <laughs> you are going to get top dollar rent for a while, for five years. But then you do. Then you do. So that's how we keep from having to buy the most expensive things, et cetera, et cetera, is we just take the chance because we're, I pencil everything. Does it look good today? Great. In 10 years, it'll look better. Like, I don't pay attention to my IRR. I never do that calculation. I don't care. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, um, instead of driving around, I like to read the newspapers and I like to go to commission meetings. And so I was reading the newspaper one day and it said that the college in the, the town that I lived, my kids went to school, I go to church. Uh, said that they were going to go from 20,000 students to 40. And, and this is, and this school is on a road aptly called University Drive and that they had just purchased the golf course across the street from the school on University Drive. And I said, well, I need to go buy a shopping center on University Drive. And it was before anything had happened, but it was because I read the article in the newspaper that the, the college had these kind of plans 
So, so I bought it, the rents were 18 to 20 and I just signed a $60 deal. And now I have four on the street and, you know, and it, it's so funny. It's so funny how people are, you know, everyone had the Uber idea, right? <laughs> I'm sure everyone thought East now everyone's like, Oh, East Austin. Yeah. I was on that, but they didn't do any, like people will say, yeah, you know, I had the idea to buy on university drive by the college. Okay. Right. No, I know. And you can do it driving around boots on the ground. You can do it reading. I mean, you should do all of it. Oh. Be in the know. Be, I call it insider knowledge. It's, it's not that it's insider because anybody could go do it. You just have to go do it. It's usually a lot of work. Yes. But so, for example, one of, so I was sitting at a commission meeting where they at, in Davie, <laughs> where I own these four properties. And, and I was there for my charity to try to get money from the town to my charity. And on the agenda was they're outlawing strip clubs. And I immediately know of a strip club on University Drive. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go buy that strip club. And I'm going to call the owners of the strip club tomorrow morning and tell them that strip club's not going to be their tenant in two years. Right? Yeah. And then, and then, you know, trying to buy it, it taking two years to buy it and then the strip club closes and then all my competition, bigger companies, richer companies, more experienced companies swoop in. Luckily I had cultivated the relationship with the 80 year old couple that owned it. But what, what helped make the difference talking about knowledge was I had a friend who owned a, who represented a large, large shopping center in the area and she was able to tell me some insider knowledge because of our relationship about rents she was getting. So I was able to underwrite the deal higher because I knew exactly what was going on. And the bigger, richer, more experienced companies were not from my area and didn't have a clue. So I close on the deal and I'm at an ICSE 30 days later. And one of the companies, the guy comes up, he goes, you paid 300 grand too much. And I'm li literally delete my, my like heart fell to my stomach. And I'm like, I hope to God I didn't, <laughs> I hope to God. But I knew what I knew from the insider knowledge, which is why I keep telling the women in the business, like Dina, who just commented that we are amazing. Of course we are. We are amazing and red. We are red women investors, on a Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but I knew that information and that's why the women in the industry that know that know that they're representing these tenants who are looking in this market, this market, in this market, and every time they get a new tenant rep and they want this market, this market, and this market, th those markets are the hot markets. We go buy some deals. Right. Go buy the deals or figure out where the next market is or go find the edge of the market where you know it's going. The edge of scary. The edge of scary. Go find it. And they know it. Or maybe you don't know that, but you know retail leasing. You know the tenants to call. Maybe you're a national tenant rep. I mean, my God, I don't have that book of business, right? That's enormous. So there are shopping centers I probably shouldn't buy because they need to have national tenants. I don't have them in my database. Yeah. But the women do. They exactly. all have huge amounts of knowledge and they need to use it. And if you're advising your clients to do it, why wouldn't you take your own advice? Yeah, we're, we're uh, last year, you've met Natasha Falcone, yes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, last, so last year, Natasha spoke at the conference and she's in multifamily. 
And prior to the conference, I had invested with her in two of her small multifamily deals, I think six or nine units. And I kept pushing her, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. So um, we, so she just closed. So her, her deal before the last one, I think eight, it was an all women investor deal and eight of the women she met at the conference. So, and now we just closed on a 30 unit deal. And like I said, it's really great giving checks and getting checks and not running these deals. But what, what I originally was started for the conference, which was an education, just, you know, we're just going to educate people so we can show, show the ladies there are other ladies doing it. Now it's turned into a networking GPs meeting LPs, LPs meeting GPs, and women doing deals together. How amazing. How amazing. And that's what we need to do because there's a multitude of reasons we're behind the men. But you know, men do business and they've been doing it together, you know, with people at their country club or their Masonic Lodge or wherever for thousands of years, right? We, I say this all the time. As ladies, we've only been at this for 50 years. I mean, we are killing it. But we need, we need to get together. Why? Not that I won't take a man's money, but um, why would I? If, if I can go take a woman's money, right. let's and just we- do this together. And, and the women can it be in control of their future family's wealth and wealth growth, right? And look, if we don't have a seat at the table, gosh darn it, we need to make the seat at the table. Make it. Create it for ourselves. And then we don't have to play by their rules. Exactly. Right? So we won't care about their rules. I mean, it is, I was going to say something I can't remember about taking man's money. Oh, I will tell you this. So Carrie Bob, I don't think she's watching, but I read her story before I met her. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, um, I need to do more for women. And, and my main focus was any women, any more brokers that I bring onto my brokerage are going to be women. I'm going to put women in the seats because I can. And I might be a bitch to work for, but I will never assault you that way. <laughs> I might assault you verbally, but that doesn't that doesn't usually happen. So um, in that was 2021. In 2022, I decided I would not take any new clients. Delee wouldn't. My brokerage would. I pass on all the male clients. I wouldn't take any new clients that were not female. And I was very successful last year. No problem. Because. I love that. I love that. Because I can. And and maybe I help them with the fear. I don't know. Um, There's just not that many women buying and leasing space compared to men. Maybe they just need somebody that's a. I don't know why you'd use a male broker if you're a female, unless there's not a good female around. <laughs> so are you, are you going to women of influence this summer? I am going and I'm on the advisory board with you. And I uh, have selected my panel. I get to be on the panel that talks about uh, financing and wealth for businesses and real estate. Yeah, so no, the women, so all of the women listening tonight, besides the March 8th conference, we're just going to spend all of your money. But but let's 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 talk about something. The March conference, my conference, commercial real estate invest women investment summit, 297. Yeah. And I mean, that's just it's literally I'm just covering costs, which is fine. I, I'm not interested in making money. We're covering costs. So 297. And if you Register by tonight, if you're listening, if you type in women invest, it's 25% off. And the prices were supposed to go up today. 
And because Josie reminded me, I had this tonight. She goes, you can't raise the prices and then have the women investment Wednesday. So the prices I think are going up tomorrow and they go from 297 to 397. So, so, so that's that. So sign up for that. And then if you're not doing anything in July, I think it's the 24th to the 26th, come to Lake Tahoe with us because how much fun is that going to be? I think that is a little more expensive than mine because I do think they want to make money, but I'm so, I, I really met some unbelievable women at that last year. Unbelievable. And, and, imagine, the discussions, and the discussions we had as women were fabulous. Fabulous. And I mean, top executive level women at very large firms and companies that, I mean, they are movers and shakers just by the sheer size of their companies. For and, sure. So I'm excited to, um, I'm excited to spend time with you there as well. Yes. Very okay. much. So you're, so I like to try to um, end this at 640. I do have dinner with my 19 year old. I'm going to go see him down at co his college tonight for dinner. So the last thing is your best piece of advice for someone that let's say they're a broker, let's say they are 15 years in. So they, they're making six figures or more. They have some money. They, they're probably investing in the stock market or, you know, their IRA or whatever. And they're interested, but, you know, they have fear or, you know, something is holding them back. What is your advice to that person? Besides come to the summit in March, because that, that yep. would be the number one. I mean, because you're going to learn and you're going to make contacts. So that if you want to get over the fear, um, the best piece of advice, and I don't know if a broker would need this, but if you, this is what I did. Whenever I got my broker's license, um, we owned, I, I think like four buildings in East Austin and there were no commercial brokers over there. It was, you know, two, 2012. And I wanted to know East Austin better than anybody else. And so day after day for 18 months, I sat and searched LoopNet. I sat and searched Craigslist. I sat and searched everything I could. It doesn't mean that if a listing is up for lease for $18 a square foot, but then that's what it's going to lease for. But you start to get a feel and then you can tell what's going on. So whenever a deal comes up or this or that, you can move, you can move. So I know uh, lots of women like to online shop or do this with TikTok or whatever. Stop it. Just get on LoopNet. And if you don't want to do it, let's say you're in Miami and you're like, I'm never going to get into Miami. Okay, call Natasha and see what subsidiary market she's in and go look on the edge of scary or pick a little town outside of Miami. Doesn't have to be where you live and learn it like the back of your hand. Get to know the brokers. I just had dinner last night with a woman, Dawn Brooks. She does VRBOs and Airbnbs and, and uh, multifamily. She lives in South Florida, but she has 50 doors in Greenville, South Carolina. I don't remember how, how she said she got there, but that is her farm, right? And she knows everything about Greenville, South Carolina and short-term rentals and Airbnbs. And, and exactly when people say, well, yes, I'm interested in buying. Well, I'll buy anywhere. I narrow the search, just narrow it down to and, and and maybe look maybe they live it somewhere in South Florida and the, maybe the market's too hot but if they just spend three months just learning a farm area 
that will give them the confidence, even if they can't afford anything to then say, okay, I learned so much. Now let me go up to an hour North of Orlando and buy something re like, like, um, uh, what's the word? Um, do it. Uh, what's again, do it again. Repeat. Thank you. (laughs) 62 brain and long day. Uh, repeat the process that you practiced where you live. You know, read the newspapers. I love the Craigslist idea. Now, LoopNet, can they, so I don't do, so I don't do that. Is it free? Can they go on LoopNet yes. for free? Okay. Yes. And LoopNet is, is like Trulia for commercial real estate. And I don't know what Trulia is. Is that like Zillow? Like Zillow, yeah. <laughs> what is Crexy? Is Crexy free? I think Crexy might be free. Yeah, so just immerse yourself in a market and then you know, either maybe you buy in that market because you live in that market like me, or maybe you say, okay, now I've practiced. Now I can go try it in a market that is smaller that I can afford or that has more opportunity, right? Yes. Yes. And, but the beautiful thing is they find something and they're like, okay, I can't take this down myself. Who am I going to call? You're going to call one of the women that you're going to call Delee. Or one of the 200 women that you're going to meet at the summit. That's, I mean, really, like, I'm going there to find my ladies. <laughs> well, so, you know, so, you know, the, the VIP has been sold out for a month. I have 24, I think Josie told me today, 20 or 24 women on the waiting list for VIP. I have women calling, make the VIP bigger. Sorry, you missed out. It's an intimate thing. But um, the... Um, we, we added a networking thing and it's it's a, like we had a networking break, but it wasn't structured. It's going to be GPs wanting to meet LPs and LPs wanting to make to meet GPs. That is amazing. Right. Amazing. Because last year, Natasha was that was like, I wonder if, you know, if any of you all want to. So what, let me just talk about the structure before we go. So it's I'm interviewing, you know, people like Delee. So we have I think I think I have eight women I'm interviewing. We have a keynote speaker at lunch and we have a, a lender panel of three. So a banker, a mortgage broker, and an underwriter, all women, no men speaking. Men will be in the audience. Maybe last year we had like five, but all the women speakers and, and that. And so in the afternoon, the women are going to be able to pick two speakers that they go into a breakout session and do a 90 minute deep dive, which I know you are already preparing for, right? I am. I've got my property picked. I'm thinking about it all the time. Right. So you're going to be able to go in a room. So if there's 200 women, there's uh, eight speakers. So I guess every room will have maybe 20 people, 20 or 30 people. And that person like Delee will go through how she picked the property. How did she underwrite it? How did she finance it? Because last year we did roundtables, but the survey said overwhelmingly they wanted to go deeper. So this is going to be this opportunity to go deeper with the woman investor. And um, it's going to be it's going to blow the socks off. We're absolutely going to sell out. So all you guys listening, I I see um, I see that Marie's coming. I know Dina's coming. So you guys, I can't wait to see you in March. And my dear friend, Lee, I will see you in March. Yes. I can't wait. Yes. And I will throw this out for the people that come afterwards if you email me. So during my 90-minute session, I'm going to show you my spreadsheet pro forma that I put together that I've been using for 10 years. And if you email me afterwards, I will give it to you. 
which I've never done before. This is for Beth, just to be clear. This is because I love her and I want you to have a takeaway that you would never get. It's you have to work for me to ever get it. And I make and it's in their their independent contractor agreement that never leaves our office. I'm crying. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm happy to do it because I'm giving it to women. Women that show up for you, that means they're just, they're good people. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, so it's March 8th, Orlando, Florida. Gonna be amazing. Sign up. If you sign up tonight, 25% off the 297, which is uh it's called Women Invest. And Tomorrow, the prices go to $3.97. Yes, Josie's like, and the keynote speaker, Kim, a wonderful last name keynote speaker. (laughs) (laughs) And she's going to talk about overcoming fear. We just made the deal with her yesterday. I love her. She's going to add so much to the group. So it's just going to be so much fun. And where you're going to meet amazing people like Mm -hmm. Delee. Yes. that's ready to hang out. I mean, I, I want to meet you. I want to answer whatever questions you've got for me. This is going to be phenomenal. I love you so much. Thank you for being available on a Wednesday night. And I'll talk to you soon. And thank you, everyone, for being here. Bye. Thank you, everybody.